Okay, welcome to um, another episode of 20 Schemes Uncut. My name is Andy Constable, one of the pastors here at Nidri Community Church. And today I've got Joe Barnard with us. Do I say, did I say it right, Joe? You did, that's right. <laughs> What's a, what's a Scottish way of saying it? How do people pronounce you it? No, uh, yes, it's Barnard. Uh, Barnard. Um, it all it all sounds about the same to me. So, uh, yeah, people. <laughs> it do, sounds do a posh English name. Yeah, Bar- well, Barnard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, certainly not. Doesn't sound that way when you hear it in South Louisiana. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and just tell us a little bit about who you are. Um, and what you're doing in Edinburgh. Yeah, uh, so I am a pastor of a church here in Edinburgh, <clears throat> Holyrood Evangelical Church. Um, I've been in Scotland a, a few times in my life. Before this, I did church revitalization up in the Highlands, uh, but recently spent about three and a half years in the States uh, building a men's discipleship ministry, cross-training ministries. And so I'm still the ex- executive director of cross-training, a pastor in a church locally, and um getting settled here in a new city, Edinburgh, which is fantastic. Married kids? Yeah, married and four children. So my oldest is uh, just turned 14 and my youngest is seven. So we're kind of in those middle yeah. middle years. <laughs> Teenage years, I'm not looking forward to those. But... Yeah, no, we just <laughs> feel like we're on the front end of it. So it's, it's not been too traumatic yet. I'll get your advice in a few years time when my girl turns 13. Definitely get some advice from you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you've been in Edinburgh for a year, two years, three yeah, years? Yeah, just, just, we're getting close to a year. Okay. So, uh, yeah, again, this, I've actually been in Scotland three times. So I spent a year in my, as a late teenager up in Dingwall, uh, you know, a huge metropolis yeah. up in the north. Yeah. <laughs> uh, came back a second time, again, did church revitalization. And then now we just came last March. Um, so, you know, doing church work here. Did, you did the revitalization in Dingwall as well, or is it a little a little village named Kiltarlity? Okay. So uh, just a, just a small place um, in kind of your typical church setting where you've got a handful of older people and, and trying to rebuild and, and reach a small community and uh, establish relationships and leadership and all the rest of it. Nice. Yeah. We're going to talk about some books in a minute, but just tell us about that experience. Then, what were the struggles and battles? Because we've got a lot of guys listening who are part of smaller churches. Uh, maybe doing a revitalization. What were the lessons yeah. that you learned there and yeah, ways that uh, God moved? You know, it, it's hard work. Uh, as as every, every worker in Scotland knows, there's no easy instant growth. Um, you know, it's, it's building relationships. It's meeting people. It's overcoming what they think they know about the church. Um, it's shifting the mindset of people who you have within your congregation already. Um, but it was, it was encouraging. I think one of the the blessings of rural ministry, and um, it's different from some city ministry, is you know, you're right in the middle of a community instantaneously. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, Christians have typically done a really poor job um, building relationships with people outside the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, you know, all you have to do is begin to, to be where people are, and those relationships come. So, um, so it was hard work, and I know guys, you know, in 20 Schemes, it's hard for them as well. I think it was, you know, three years before there was any sign of anything happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but things did begin to happen, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, over time, leaders were developed. And what was great is after eight years, was able to really hand that work off to mm-hmm. somebody who um, is Scottish and can do <laughs> that work hopefully better than I can. Yeah, So amazing. And have you noticed a big difference between the Highland culture and coming down to Edinburgh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, there are differences. Um, I think certainly within the kind of church culture, there's there's differences. Up in the Highlands, there were certain uh, certain kind of traditionalism 
mm-hmm. that was, was, was felt and presented barriers, which has been different from the setting I'm in right now. Um, uh, but a lot, a lot, I think a lot of modern world is, is strangely similar. So it doesn't matter if you're rural or urban, um, mm-hmm. you know, all of us are struggling with our phones. All of us have similar sort of temptations. Um, yeah. when you dig into people's lives, it's not like rural people uh, aren't struggling with the same kind of worry, same kind of addictive behavior, uh, that you'd find in a city. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, we're, we're all modern people stuck in a modern context, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so one of the, um, things that you're passionate about is men's ministry. Um, so why don't you tell us just about why you're passionate about that and then a little bit about the book that you've written yeah. at the back of it and the ministry, obviously, that you have. In. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think for me, you know, men's discipleship was something uh, I saw a lot of growing up. I, I had good examples of, of men who, if, if guys have ever heard of The Navigators, which was a, a really yeah. mm-hmm. kind of powerful discipleship movement, um, so those guys were in my life early on, had guys like Jerry Bridges sort of passing through homes and, and getting to know him. And so moving into ministry, men's discipleship was a priority. The difficulty I found was uh, when that church up north started to, to get some traction and, and, and young guys started coming in, I could preach to them every day on a Sunday, sometimes mm-hmm. twice. Um, I could meet every week for an hour over coffee, and it wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like they were... On life support but they weren't really being transformed mm-hmm. and so uh, the big question for me and the reason I went back to the States and, and started cross-training ministries was trying to figure out okay well what is it that makes it so difficult for modern guys mm-hmm. uh, to grow spiritually mm-hmm. and uh, I think for me part of that answer has been you know often we, we so narrow discipleship that we, we really are just targeting targeting like three percent of a guy's life mm-hmm. you know we're trying to help them get some Bible get some prayer that stuff's essential. It's mm-hmm. non-negotiable. But there's this other 97% that makes it really hard mm-hmm. to prioritize and get the full benefit of that 3%. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, how do you actually set guys up with a lifestyle that frees them up for discipleship? Mm-hmm. And uh, cross-training ministries is, you know, we train guys in spiritual fitness. And what we mean by that is not trying to get guys in some sort of like, you know, superhero condition, but just like you know, how do you actually get yourself to where you can withstand the difficulties, you know, the, the burden of modern life? Yeah. Um, so that's been that's been the approach and that's what the kind of ministry that we're doing yeah. right now. And what are the what would you say the ma- the major struggles that men modern you talk about modern men there? What are the major struggles that you've come across? And then how um, apart from the means of grace, have yeah. you been combating that or how do you disciple the guys that yeah, I'm under your care. What are the things that yeah. you would you know, uh, typically do? A, a lot of a lot of a lot of what we do is is built around three kind of core areas: simple routines, bodily discipline, and spiritual friendship. And we we've identified those three areas because they seem to address typical needs of modern men. So mm. so just pick up friendship first of all. Mm. Um, I mean, guys are lonely. Mm. Uh, non-Christian guys are lonely. Mm. Uh, Christian guys are lonely. Pastors and church leaders are lonely. Mm. Uh, we live in a world where as responsibility increases over time, uh, what tends to get cut out is, is those friendships between men. Mm-hmm. And so guys don't have friends in general, but that's not even enough. What they really need is spiritual friendship, and most guys don't even know what that is. Yeah. So yeah. very much prioritizing uh, friendship and, and teaching guys about the kinds of relationships that they need to build with one another. Um, the bodily discipline aspect, I think, really important. Mm-hmm. Um, things, for example, like our phone. Um, if, if you try to have a prayer life 
without having a strategy for your phone, you're pretty much doomed for failure. Yeah. So how do you steward your attention, not just your time, but actually your attention? Uh, and so, you know, the kind of programs we'll do, it sounds uh, strange maybe, but, you know, guys for 10 or 12 weeks, they'll, they'll commit to getting up a little bit earlier, going to bed, mm. um, a form of digital minimalism, this, this sort of, these things that are outside the realm of traditional discipleship, but very much determine whether or not, again, you have that freedom yeah. for discipleship. Mm-hmm. And so there's you know, the bodily discipline. And then, you know, the third thing for us is that simple routine. So, you know, what are the, what are the little things that if, if, you, if you do this, it's going to have the most dramatic effect. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things we do, guys don't think they can do this, but again and again, they end up doing it is like scripture memory. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's a couple of reasons for that. One is Psalm 1 is so clear. It's mm. two types of people. You can either mm. be a leaf or you can be a tree. Mm. The difference is if you meditate on God's Word. Mm. So how do you get guys to meditate? Mm. Well, you tell them to memorize something. Mm-hmm. And so guys, doing things that they've maybe never done before, like end up memorizing a whole chapter of the Bible. But that's the sort of thing where there's so much discipleship where guys walk away and honestly, in the back of their head, it wasn't worth their time. Mm-hmm. It didn't actually change them. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you get a guy, for example, to memorize Colossians 3 over 12 weeks with other men, I've never seen a guy walk away and say, that didn't actually transform something in my life. Yeah. So that's what we're after. What are the little routines that can make that kind of difference? Yeah. So let's say I'm a church leader listening into this and I'm amening all, all the things that you're saying. Um, how would you go about trying to set that kind of culture amongst the right. men? Is there a specific strategy you would encourage them to do or... Are there ways that you've done it that have been helpful yeah. that other pastors could take on for their churches, yeah. apart from getting your book? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, s- step one is uh, what, what you can't control, which is whether or not a man has desire, mm-hmm. if he actually wants to grow. Um, there's, there's no magic for, for, you know, creating that. But, you know, you said not to mention the book, but I'm, I'm going to, mm-hmm. uh, like, like I've wrote a book, uh, The Way Forward, Roadmap of Spiritual Growth for Men in the 21st Century. Really, that book is aimed at igniting that interest, mm-hmm. um, you know, helping guys diagnose why are we struggling? And mm-hmm. don't give me a simplistic answer. I want something that honestly reflects my struggle. Mm-hmm. And then, well, what do I need? What do guys look like that are growing? And so guys can actually not have an ideal, but a concrete model of what guys look like that are passionate. Um, and, you know, if guys get to that point where they see something and think, oh man, that's not me, I'm struggling, but I would love to be mm-hmm. more like that. Those are guys you can work with. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it starts by, okay, finding where the, where's the interest, scaling it down to something simple, make the ask doable. <laughs> but eventually what you wanna be doing is you wanna be raising the bar mm-hmm. because a lot of guys are disinterested in Christian discipleship, honestly, because it doesn't offer a, a challenge. There are there are all kinds of guys joining CrossFit gyms, uh, signing up for you know triathlons, doing all kinds of things because the world offers them a challenge. And mm-hmm. often in the church, there isn't anything like that. Yeah. So I think if you can get a group of guys that are hungry, you, know, you don't want to raise it too high, but you don't want it too low either. Offer something that hey, this is worth our time. It's not a forever ask. Let's do it for ten weeks mm-hmm. and see what happens. Mm-hmm. And if at the end of it, you know, if guys have a clear path then they can build friendship because yeah. friendship always needs a destination. Yeah. And, uh, and then you start getting those guys, okay, we're done with that. What's next? What's mm. next? Mm. As they start to change, their friends start to want to be involved. Mm. And it becomes a process where you have, you know, you have a loop, just guys coming in, scaling up, mm-hmm. and you just want to keep, keep moving them. Yeah. And so would you, so again, a church leader, would you typically just say, 
talk to all the men in the church and say, I'm doing this for the next 12 weeks. You want to come and join with me? Is that yeah. what you do? You'd, you'd, you'd yeah. set up the program, you'd invite them in, and then you'd say, this is what we're going to do for the next 12 weeks, guys. And you keep them accountable. Is that how you go about things? Yeah. Yeah. And I would take a step back. Step one would be, let's talk about what doesn't work. Um, so just inviting guys uh, once a month to have a curry or to have you know a barbecue or to eat food and have a, a talk that's just disconnected and has no sense of direction. Mm. Over time, that's going to lose motivation. Mm. Um, so the, the kind of typical things that we do within churches it's not that interesting, it's boring if we're honest, but it's also pretty ineffective. Uh, so yeah, I think uh, step one is just to, just to say, give a target. Mm. Uh, so it can be a book, it can be, let's, let's read, let's talk, uh, but you know, have something beyond it so when that book's done, you have a second ask and, and try to move beyond just sitting around a table and talking. Mm -hmm. Uh, try to find ways to include things that that pull in people's life, mm. pull in their struggles, um, and that's where I think things like, um, you know, where uh, with us, I mean, actually having guys with this memory stuff, way we always begin our groups is guys actually in front of each other have to recite their verses, mm -hmm. so they're actually doing something. They're coming, they're held accountable, um, and I think you know that that sort of living dynamic makes it a lot more interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then are you, so say after your 12 weeks, are you pushing the next then 12 weeks? Are you setting the agenda? Or are you getting one of the guys drawn in to, to then set the next 12 weeks? And yeah. when, when do you pass things over or do you pass things over? Yeah, well, so with cross-training ministries, uh, I think we're different from a lot of men's ministries in that a lot of men's ministries have an endless supply of content. So they, they always want to give you the next program. We don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. We don't want you in our system forever. I mean, churches should be doing the bulk of discipleship. Mm -hmm. They're just often not doing it that well with their men. So our hope is, you know, if we can, again, awaken some interest. So like right now, we've got a 10-week New Year's challenge, just going through the way forward. Um, if we can move guys into something more robust, like CT12, if we can get them through, you know, maybe another 12 weeks. At the end of that, they should have a taste for a different model. Mm -hmm. And what we want is... You know, those guys can go, they can, they can begin to figure it out on their own. We don't want them dependent upon us forever. And so figure out what's working. Um, uh, and then as small groups, you know, be that band of brothers mm. that can begin to, to, to continue to figure out how to challenge mm -hmm. each other. I think that's the goal. Yeah, definitely. definitely. And we've got the same problem. The same problem everywhere, isn't it? But, you know, particularly in schemes, this is what we battle with all the time because a lot of the time homes are, the men have a, either absconded right. responsibility or they've got into bad routines or right. um, they've become lazy, not working. Right. Um, but we find that in the schemes and we also find that with our middle class guys who are like, oh, I've done my job now uh, at work. I've worked my, my full job. I'm going to come home and just watch Netflix for the next three hours. <laughs> well, I push it further. I'd it. say, I mean, pastors are struggling. You know, they're also, yeah, caught on Netflix just on an endless cycle of, of episodes. Mm -hmm. um, when they get busy, the two things that always go, it's prayer, it's exercise. Mm -hmm. And that just sets you up to feel bad in general yeah. and to be filled mm -hmm. with anxiety. And so um, I think from, from top to bottom, men are all struggling to figure out how do we, how do we cope with this environment that is mm -hmm. in a lot of ways different yeah. from a generation or two ago. Yeah. And part of it is what you've just been saying, the desire, but with the discipline. Yeah. Put, put with it because 
you need to be disciplined and a lot of guys just aren't disciplined <laughs> that's right and they need to get into a routine and sometimes be forced into that routine for a season so that they it becomes more natural to them right and have guys that are willing to, to ask questions about those areas of life you know mm. not just I mean, there should be questions about for example you know pornography and that sort of thing but also just um you know are you playing video games for mm. you know two hours after your kids go to bed mm -hmm. you know i mean it's it's that sort of thing that sets a man behind and he can't get up the next day and spend any time with the lord and then he just starts mm -hmm. his day on the wrong foot yeah. you know i do 12 hours yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all yeah. right for the night yeah. that's <laughs> right that's right and go again yeah i <laughs> know yeah, and they're, they're the they're the battles that we're facing the phone computer games netflix just the the, the social side of things just goes out the window, isn't it, when you're involved with those things and then the things that get squashed are your your means of grace. Right, right. And then the fellowship and you end up lonely. And that, like That's you right. said, pastors are struggling with that. Yeah, and I think uh, guys need to know, they need to be honestly told, look, it really is hard mm. <laughs> to, to not give into this stuff. Mm. Um, that's why, so I've got, I've got another book coming out in March, but mm. it's Surviving the Trenches, Killing Sin Before Sin Kills You. And a lot of it is trying to be honest. Like, guys, if it feels like you're in trench warfare, guess mm. what? You are. Yeah. And mm. so if we don't have that mindset mm -hmm. of uh, what it's like when there is somebody who's out to kill you, mm -hmm. then we're going to succumb. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's not, it's not just about, you know, uh, being a little bit more disciplined or a little bit more productive, as the world would say. Mm. It's up, we're up against send the devil to flesh. Mm -hmm. um, these are serious enemies. Mm -hmm. yeah. And we need to have that mindset to be able to uh, do well. So have you got a website? You've got a book, obviously, and the book coming out. Um, but have you got a website for cross-training ministries? Yeah, yeah we've got, we've got some, some different sites. Um, I mean, honestly, the, the one I would push guys toward, uh, books don't change men. Men mm -hmm. need to do more than that. So, you know, this, this new book, Surviving the Trenches, there's a website, survivingthetrenches.men, mm -hmm. uh, which leads into a 10-week program. Okay. Uh, it's not for individuals. It's for you to find a couple of friends, be a band of brothers, go through it. Um, but that would give men a taste of the kind of ministry. Mm -hmm. Another site, if guys are interested, would be menneedhelp.org, which is another program we often use. So, um, are these programs free to use, or you have to pay for them? Oh, they're free. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, use them, adapt them. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there's there's no ownership over it. Just let guys, if they benefit, that's great. Yeah. Um, so, you've got that that book coming out. You just spoke a little bit about it just there, but um, just go a bit more deeper in 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 how it develops from that first book. So, yeah, I think. Uh, there's so much repetition with discipleship. Mm -hmm. um, there's so many topics where prayer, evangelism, you know, you can find endless seminars and teaching on those type topics. Uh, what's shocking to me is men can sit through churches, not just for years, but for decades and never get any focused teaching on how do you actually put sin to death? Mm -hmm. And Paul says that we should be putting sin to death. Mm -hmm. um, so it's this area where most guys are entirely unequipped. And it's so serious because it really is a battle. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, this book is meant to help guys get a framework to understand that battle, but do more than that. It's, it's also, it targets four specific uh, sins that are really just eating guys' lunch day in, day out, which are, two of them are well-known, lust and pride. Uh, two others we're a little bit less familiar with, sloth and vanity. Yeah. Um, but really trying to not just give guys a bunch of abstract ideas, but say, hey, look, this is how it lands in a modern context. Mm -hmm. um, so hopefully, again, guys will walk away with you know, a little, a little bit of a, a theological framework, but also some real practical 
uh, things that they can begin to do with other guys. Mm. And when's that out? So that's out March, March 11th. Okay, great. Yeah. Well, I just want to encourage people to have a look at those books because it's really important, isn't it? This, um, we find that our churches, just this battle for men's souls is massive. Yeah, and, absolutely. And uh, as we've been called to be fathers, husbands, leaders, we're not discipling our men, the next generation are not coming through. That's right. <laughs> or they're coming through with unhealthy patterns of discipleship that have been eaten up by the world. And so it's so important that we think through these things as church leaders and have strategies within our churches. So really appreciate you coming in and talking a little bit about the book. So go and check out that book, Joe Barnard um, and Cross Training. Cross Training Ministries, yes. Cross Training Ministries. And a new book's out in March. Yeah, March 11th. March 11th. Amazon, 10 of those. Amazon, 10 of those. Uh, it's with Christian Focus, so you should be able to get any of those sites. And we know Christian Focus because they do Mez's books as well. So. That's right, yeah. <laughs> Go and check it out. And we appreciate you coming in and speaking about yeah, that ministry. My pleasure. Mm.